Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good Friday in St. Louis. Last night, the hand pass game was heard here on 101 ESPN. And Joey Vitale called it right away. If the <laughs> officials would have just been listening, as they should have been, to the Blues broadcast, they would have known right away that there was a hand pass because <laughs> Joey called it. He's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, our weekly visit into the Blues booth with Joey V. How are you, sir? Uh, Randy, Michelle, doing very well this morning. Yeah, it's funny about that call. You know, they always say, uh, what's the old term about a blind squirrel something? I can't remember exactly. But every now and then you get one right. What was always funny about that was, and I know fans and everyone was so agitated by it. If you if you look at the replay of that hand pass, Michelle, and Randy, not in, there's no player on the ice, I think, that even realized it except the goaltender, Jordan Bennington. Jordan Bennington knew right as the puck went in, he looked right at the ref, but no other player, not one player from either San Jose or St. Louis looked at the ref like that was a hand pass. So uh, it goes to show you that hockey is such a fast sport. It's so bang-bang. I know we were all over the ref that night, but that was a quick play, and uh, just sometimes you get it wrong. Joe, you have an interesting perspective because you are a St. Louis kid, so you are fully aware of Blue's heartbreak in that moment. But you also are somebody that's around the team every day, and you saw just how tough they were and the mental resolve that they had. Were you even surprised that they were able to turn the page so much? And I want to know, true serum time from you, what were you thinking in that moment? Were you thinking, oh, this is just going to be another, uh, another log on the Blue's heartbreak fire? Or did you have confidence the team could turn it around? You know, I, I really felt after the Pat Maroon goal in Game 7 that the Blues were kind of over that hump. I thought that as far as the bad luck and the bag bounces and the Steve Eisermans from the red line scoring over John Casey's shoulder, all those moments, I thought that the Blues finally kind of moved past it on the Pat Maroon goal. Now, in the San Jose series specifically, like you're talking about, Michelle, it's funny, after Game 1 in the San Jose series at the SAP, the Blues got just, just throttled because um, the game just didn't go their way. Uh, the San they were throwing four lines at them. It was just – it wasn't good. It wasn't pretty. They were down by one game. I remember between games one and games two, I'm down in the hallway. It's a practice day. I come across Steve Ott, uh, the assistant coach for the St. Louis Blues, and I go, hey, Otter, what's going on, buddy? He's like, hey, Joey V, what's up? He had a good smile on his face. I said, what are you thinking? I just kind of threw it out there, like, how are you feeling? And he goes, listen – we're going to have a series here, boys. And I don't even think it's going to go seven. We're, we got this. And he kind of smiled. And I was kind of shooken by that. I'm like, whoa, like, were you watching the same game I was watching yesterday? Because that wasn't very pretty. But, you know, Steve Ott, he kind of has that glimmer in his eye. He's, he's had it since he played. He was one of the biggest rats I ever played against. But he felt so confident that there's a couple adjustments this team's going to make, and they are just going to take this series away. And ever since that moment and they, what they did in game two, I felt so confident with the St. Louis Blues. So to answer your question, Michelle, I know I'm kind of going in circles here, but to answer your question, after that conversation with Steve Ott, I thought there was just no denying the Blues. And even in that hand pass, I still felt that the Blues were going to bounce back right away. 
and certainly they did. I talked to the players after the game. I talked to the players the next day specifically. They were they went from like being hockey players to just like CEO businessmen. Like I've never seen such a transition in a mindset. They, they went from kind of like the goofy players where we're going to go out there and work as hard as they can. We're going to try to win another game. To I mean, there was just a direct goal coming that practice day between games three and four where you just felt that there was just going to be no denying them. And I think that Ivan Barbashev's goal in game four, the, the game right after that, within 35 seconds into the game, the Blues are on the board. Uh, they really never looked back after that. Joey, it's amazing that we got to game six of that series and four of San Jose's best players weren't able to go because they had literally been pounded into submission by the Blues. You can describe this because you've played in playoff series. What's it like once you get to games three, four, five of a playoff series, what's it like getting up in the morning after one of those games? Oh, boy. And lady, excuse me. I'm not talking the burn, just burning anymore. Sorry, Michelle. I have to get used to this. Uh, it's It's... It's like waking up after a night in Nashville. You know what I'm talking about, Michelle? You, <laughs> oh, you, you I know. Probably appreciate, mm-hmm. You probably appreciate that. Um, it's your body, <laughs> your, your, your joints, your knees, your hips. Your hips. Uh, hockey players have this thing where their hips just have these, like, huge air holes in them where every time you move your hips, they just, like, pop like crazy. You hear them from across the street. Uh, that, you go through that. You go through the mess of fatigue. Your head's constantly in the fall. You can't see straight. And then you wake up, and then you got kids jumping all over you. I mean, talk about anxiety. Uh, it's it's not a very fun thing, especially when you're playing a punishing team, you know, like the St. Louis Blues, and, and that's what and that's what the Blues had intentions on doing. I remember my my third year in Pittsburgh, we had a Navy SEAL from SEAL Team Six come talk to us right before playoffs started. He brought in this big rock, and it was about the size of a, maybe a, I guess a softball, maybe a little bigger than a softball. But then he had this hammer, and he had every player go around the room and take a whack at this rock. First player, whack, a little chip. Next player, whack, another chip. Next player, whack. It took about two revolutions around the whole team. So you're looking at maybe 40 whacks uh, before Pascal Dupuis split this rock, guys. And we're all like, what is this Navy SEAL doing? Like, And there's got to be some sort of, like, something going on here. And he sits back and he kind of looks at this rock and he goes, bam, on the fourth whack, it broke the rock. And he asked us all a question. He said, coming up in the playoffs this year, is it going to be the 40th whack that cracks your team or is it going to be the previous 99 blows that weaken the rock that eventually cracked that rock? So we kind of thought about that for a minute. It's kind of a cool way to look at it. And that's what happened in the blue San Jose series. You can look at Carlson. You can look at Pavelski. You look at all these big star players that were out for game seven, but it was what happened in the previous game sixes, the six games before that, that led to them in their absence in game seven. It's about making that dent. And sometimes you're going to hit, 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 hit. And you're never going to see the result of it, but you got to believe in the investment. You got to trust in the investment of what your coach is saying. By we got to finish, guys. We got to hit. We got to forecheck. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. You're not going to see results right away, but eventually, over a seven-game series, you're going to punish them enough where you're going to start reaping the benefits, and that's exactly what the Blues did. Joey, I'm going to start calling you coach because I want to run through a wall right now after you just described hitting the rock. And it really made me miss the St. Louis Blues team and and just the identity and culture of this team and the way that they would be the team that chips away at other teams. And it was a war of attrition. And I just really miss hockey and I want hockey back. But, you know, you talk about the way that your body feels in the playoffs. And, you know, speaking of, of chipping away at the rock, a lot of that is due to the wear and tear throughout the season. So as somebody that has felt that, that knows what it's like in those playoff situations. How do you think that that 
plays right now, if and when hockey comes back, do you think that the momentum and kind of the the mental state that you need to be in to get to that point in the playoffs with that factor missing, do you think that that is a negative for teams or do you think the fact that they're fresh will help teams? I just I wonder if if the momentum factor is more important or the freshness factor is more important if and when hockey returns. Yeah, you know, I think for momentum right now, I mean, look at a player like Zach Sanford, who was on an absolute tear before this this suspended season. Uh, I don't think any momentum is realistic for him heading back into the season where he's going to pick it right back up. I think that for the style of play and what you're kind of hitting at, Michelle, uh, I asked Craig Berube earlier this year, I asked him in October, I said, Craig, you guys won the Stanley Cup last year because of the style hockey you guys played and what we were just talking about. I said, you did it for about four months from when you took over, January, February, March, April, May. Uh, so I guess five months uh, and, and a little bit in June. So my, I guess, my, gosh, my math's terrible. So six months. Um, <laughs> Join the show. But, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but my point is you didn't, you didn't do it from September through June. You did it from basically January to June. And your, your players, it's an exhausting style of hockey. I, so this is October this year after they won the Cup. I asked him, I said, are you contemplating changing your style because you're looking now at an 82-game season plus another 26 possible games in a playoff? That's, that's a lot of hockey. Are, are you willing to have your team demand that every single night? Do you think that's realistic? And he looked at me like I asked the dumbest question like that any reporter or broadcaster – I mean, he made me feel like an idiot. And he's like, no, we're – we just we just we play a certain way. We're going to play it every night. I'm like, and you're not. I try to follow up, like you're not. I try, I try to do my best, Randy character. So you know, I let, let him into it. I, I try to ask the question in a different way, which I'm terrible at. I'm not Randy, but I was like, so. And then he goes, No, I listen. This is how we play. This is what we're going to do. And he made me feel so small. But the point was that they only have one style. So when the Blues come back, let's say it's in August. So let's say it's late July. They're going to play a certain way. And they're going to play that certain way until they're not allowed to play anymore. And that's just the, the, the way it's just going to have to be. So I think that that's what Blues fans and Blues players are going to expect out of themselves. You know, we're going to see how it goes. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes in the sense that if we play hockey in July and we play hockey in August, let's say we take a little hiatus in September, but then we start right back up in October or maybe we start up in November. There's a lot of hockey, guys, that's going to be compacted into about a 10-month stretch. We're talking we're going to finish this season, all the next season, playoffs next season. I mean, that's a lot, a lot of hockey. So I think that depth and having, like, black aces and minor leaguers uh, skating with the team, it's going to be as as big as ever. I mean, you mentioned being exhausted. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, he may need a night off. Ryan O'Reilly, it may look kind of like what we see in the NBA where you see LeBron James just is not playing tonight. It's a rest day for him. We've never seen that in the NHL. It's possible that we may see that this year if we finish the season and play in the next season and there's no all-star, no bye week, and the players just go, go, go. You may show up the Enterprise one night and Ryan O'Reilly's a scratch. And what's wrong? No, he just, he just needs rest. He needs maintenance. He's been playing X amount of games. He needs, he needs to rest his body. So it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of unfolds as far as the rest and recovery kind of goes. Finally, for Joey V, it's been a little bit over two months since play was suspended, and you and your kids have been baking a lot. What's the best thing, your favorite thing, that you've baked at the Vitali household over the course of the last couple of months? Oof, man, we've done some great things. We've done a ton, a ton of sourdough bread. I mean, I haven't used any yeast probably in, in over a year. 
We're doing a lot of sourdough bread. We were doing a, a nice olive sourdough fugas the other day. Fugas mm. is basically a shape. You kind of cut it before you proof it. It kind of looks like a big diamond. And they're nice because you put them in the oven, you pull them out, and you just, like, yank them apart. But the kids have been enjoying those. My kids have been getting super involved with it, which is a really great thing. But then it's a really terrible thing because as much as you want to be there helping them, like, oh, these are good combinations. These flavors contrast each other very well. You, you want to be doing that. But also you want to kind of give them the freedom to be creative themselves because when kids feel safe and they feel trusted, that's when creativity really can, can expand. So you want them to be creative. But my daughter the other day, she made this cinnamon, red pepper, cardamom, um, chili flake, pesto, flatbread. Hmm. And boy, was it terrible, guys. Let me tell you. <laughs> was it spicy? Let me tell it was spicy. It was tart. It was overly <laughs> sweet. It was overly terrible. And it was burnt. And she just looked at me with her big eyes like, Dad, what do you think? And I just chucked this thing down. And, guys, I had indigestion for pie for four days. Oh. <laughs> but that's that creativity is how great things come about, yeah, though. Yeah, exactly. Right? I hope so one day. I hope so one day. <laughs> Maybe not that one, but yeah, at some point. <laughs> what was it we were talking about yesterday with uh, chili powders? Or uh, we were talking about something yesterday. Who would have ever thought to put, oh, chili and chocolate? Uh, like a, a really uh, spicy item like uh, chili powder or a cayenne with chocolate. But that winds up being pretty good. It does have, you know, it's really good. And, you know, the other thing you do with cayenne and chili powder, if you ever see the movie Three Ninjas, Michelle, this may be past your day, Randy. Michelle, did you ever see the movie Three Ninjas with Colt, Tum Tum, and Rocky? I did not. Oh, there's these three boys. They grow up. Their grandpa's like some jujitsu, like, mastermind. And they learn how to make chili bombs. Their dad, it's like, it's like powder with chili and cayenne, and you throw them at your enemies. So my, my son, the other day, he gets a whole bottle of baby powder. He chucks it into a bowl, adds cayenne powder, and he wraps it in, like, a cheesecloth. And he starts humming these things all over the house. Uh, my, my, listen, guys, my house is a disaster. I hope I, I hope I, have, I hope this quarantine thing lasts for one good reason. It's just so no one can enter my home because there's just there's no keeping up with it anymore. Joey V, you're the best. Have a great weekend, man. Michelle, Randy, it's always been a pleasure. You guys have a great weekend as well.